I wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. I'm currently on Durumbal land here in central Queensland. Welcome to the Create Foundation podcast. We represent the voices of over 45,000 children and young people in out-of-home care around Australia. Every day, we connect children and young people to each other, empower them to have a voice, and create change in the care system. In this series, you will be hearing directly from Create Young Consultants about their experiences and how they've overcome adversity to achieve incredible things. We would like to flag that these episodes may include some references to child abuse or neglect, which may be triggering for some listeners. Let's jump in and hear from these inspiring young people. Welcome to another episode of our Create podcast. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing the incredible Emily. Emily is a Create Young Consultant and has been for a few years now. She's a passionate advocate for children and young people with a care experience and has devoted her life to improving experiences of children and young people in care and improving the system as a whole. Emily is an absolute wonder woman and I'm so excited for her to share her story with us tonight. Emily, you've heard my version of your story. I'd love to hear more about yourself, your interests and your story. Absolutely. Hey, Adina. It is so good to be here with you. Um, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of my land as well that I am on today. Not my land, it's theirs. Um, The Anawan country is where I am in my beautiful home. It is so exciting to be talking to you on this podcast. Um, I love advocacy. I love working in youth work. Um, I'm a 23-year-old proud Te Arawa woman from um, Aroterua, born in Australia. Uh, But I absolutely am fully passionate about youth work. I've been in the sector um, professionally since I was 18 and graduated school, but have lived experience from the age of 13. Well, nine years old was when I was removed. um, And 13 was when I really started finding my voice advocating for myself that's led to my career today. So uh, very, very exciting to be working with Create on another awesome podcast and an amazing opportunity to really highlight um, youth involvement and the work involved in sharing young people voices, Adina. Love it. Thank you, Emily. So I hear you've been involved in advocacy since you were 18. Tell me about it and more specifically, what kind of advocacy are you working on at the moment? Oh, yeah. So that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> because I do this, I do this full time, Adina. Like this is um, my full time work now. When I when I started at 18, um, I'm originally a photographer by trade and really was enjoying that but wasn't finding that you know I was changing lives or helping the system or um, really dealing with anything that I went through as a child so I had an opportunity come across um, from a family friend uh, who thought that I'd make the most of an opportunity in residential care and um, I, I surely did I spent 12 months in residential care Uh, working with young people and in that time I really was able to see the highlighted differences between um, working professionally in the sector and being a young 
person um, in the community services sector. So with that, I was able to take some of my young people that I worked with to um, speak up trainings and YAGs with CREATE. Um, and then from there, that's the beginning of my journey. I, I love to call CREATE my OG organisation, the, the original, um, the ones who kind of noticed me at first, noticed my passion for what I did um, and my literacy uh, for the sector. So I was able to take those young people uh, to their uh, speak up trainings, but also participate in speak up myself and really highlight my own advocacy journey and what I might have wanted to do in my future. So um, now fast forward five years, um, that was a feels like forever ago, but also a blink of an eye ago. Uh, fast forward five years now, I'm a brand ambassador for Adopt Change. Um, I work with them on a program called Empower Change as well, uh, which is highlighting specific needs for young people um, transitioning from out-of-home parenting independence. I'm also on the influencing committee with CREATE, which has been oh, such an experience, um, really mind-blowing for me uh, while I try and work into the uh, system at such a larger area. I'm able to have stakeholder conversations in the influencing committee and um, really have a look at media marketing on a different level and you know, come up with great opportunities as well that really highlight what young people with lived experience would like um, in their independence experience as well and what we want from the sector. So um, heaps of cool opportunities that I'm working with. I also get to participate in schools a couple of days a week um, with some soccer programs with another organisation and really just wholeheartedly put a lot of my effort um, into youth work. I'm the very happy mother of a six-year-old son as well, six going on 16, and um, <laughs> my sister lives with me as well. So a lot of advocacy in my day-to-day -day life, um, vouching for my sisters, vouching for my son, and then uh, working on the systematic level that I've been branched into as of rec recently has been um, a highlight so far as well. So, yeah. So what I'm hearing is you live and you breathe advocacy 24 seven. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm exhausted just listening to all of your, the things you're doing at the moment. It's a busy um, life. Yes, yes, I'll bet. Um, you've spoken a lot about um, different types of advocacy you're doing, but I'd love to hear about how you got involved with the CREATE Foundation and what your journey with CREATE has looked like. Yeah, absolutely. So once I was able to do my speak up trainings, um, I was then offered a lot of statewide opportunities um, from the state coordinator of CREATE involving aqua conferences and um, data research. And I was actually able to master of ceremonies, the survey launch of 2019, um, which was incredible for me and uh, sit on a panel with uh, Dr. Joseph as well, which was really, really um, special being able to uh, see lived experience and data kind of come together in that professional manner um, was amazing for me. So creating the early years really gave me a lot of uh, those podium opportunities for my advocacy and for my voice, um, where I also got a lot of recognition and a lot of notice that was able to branch off uh, the rest of my career. So very grateful for what Create have done um, in the earlier years and now having the conversations that we've had with them, not just myself, but the other advocates that I've seen grow up over the years, you and self, 
you included Adina um, and everybody else um, that I've worked on panels with as well, our, our voice has been highlighted. They recognize that we want more to do with the sector. And um, now being able to be part of the influencing committee and have paid roles um, being looked at for lived experience advocacy has um, really highlighted what advocacy in the lived experience area is all about. I don't have uh, any quote like university degrees. I have my cert four in community services. So a lot of what my industry in my business is made up of is um, that lived experience and that understanding that there is a certain type of knowledge that comes with that. So um, that's been key for my advocacy so far, Adina. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think it's wonderful that we're getting the recognition for that lived experience over tertiary education because it's just so powerful. It is. It really is. Yeah. Um, Create is doing a lot of work at the moment with their staff snap that stigma campaign. Have you experienced stigma in your experience of out-of-home care? Oh, absolutely. Um, I live in a small rural town um, and I remember my removal was in the last term of year six for me in um, primary school. And I actually was removed and taken to a different town. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, questions, a lot of vacancy. I lost a lot of um, what possibly could have been incredibly long-term friendships um, because of my out-of-home care experience. And with that, moving into a new smaller town than what I was in um, with a foster family that made up pretty much 20% of the population. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was tiny. And, and, you know, everyone knew us as um, the mm. foster family. And it was great because, you know, nobody really questioned why we called each other brother and sister when we looked nothing alike. And, you know, why we all had uh, certain visits and had to see certain family and certain locations but it was definitely you know a thing like there was a big kind of like golden star on our house that this is where the foster kids are and you know we're a sneaky bunch as well because of that and like I, I can't say that we weren't up to no good because we absolutely were and I think a lot of the stigma that young people come with um, when they come in out of home care is you know that that higher risk for homelessness that higher risk for drug and substance abuse and alcohol abuse um, that higher risk for uh, you know all sorts of types of things. For myself, I, I was part of this uh, stereotype of teen pregnancy. I fell pregnant with my son at 15. So absolutely, the stigma and the stereotypes were wholeheartedly there and put on full force. Um, one of the biggest one was when I fell pregnant with my son and it was, you're never going to finish school. You're never going to do anything with yourself. You know, you're just going to keep popping out kids now to different men. And you know, that, will, that was what people were horrible. And I don't judge anybody for doing that with their life. And people, because they felt that they were guidance to me or they were, you know, advice givers to me, um, it came with a lot of judgment and guilt. I don't feel like my parents would have judged me as harshly as um, some people that really put me on a pedestal the way that they did when I fell pregnant. And look, here I am today. I graduated, did my HSC. Um, my son was two. He attended my formal. Uh, and it was a, it was a terrific experience. Um, I don't have to do university, like we said. You know, those qualifications um, in the community services sector are worthy of something, but they are losing their credibility in perhaps a sense to live experience because it re really is important 
to highlight um, the difference between going through something and learning about something in a book. So, yeah, there was a lot of stigma there and a lot of that came with lack of education. I know that now coming into um, my adulthood and experiencing adults who actually have no idea what out-of-home care is and no idea how foster care or adoption or what permanency for a young person looks like uh, through crisis or trauma. And I noticed now that a lot of the uh, judgment that I was given might have been because of lack of knowledge and bias from that person. And I feel like create highlighting um, what we actually do go through when you put data and statistics against us is that stigma and you know I'll, I'll click to it because snap that stigma is so important and um the young people that I've seen advocate for it as well you know it, it's astonishing being able to see some of the things that young people get put through that is just pure prejudice um, based on you know a first look or because you're with a carer or because you're you know with somebody that might not look like you're you're with a larger blended family and the judgment that you receive is um really quite horrible. So I'm grateful to be able to be an experience now where I can educate people um, about what we potentially go through as young people and what I personally went through as a young people in out of home care. But Snap That Stigma really highlights the importance on such a larger scale that everyone goes through um, different situations as a young person. And a lot of it can create bullying situations um, based on like statistics and how we talk about young people in out of home care. Overcoming that stigma, though, <laughs> yeah, a lot a big of question. <laughs> yeah, it is a big question, and I think um, self awareness is key in all of this. Really, um, I I didn't, you know, wake up one day and had a six year old and was the perfect parent, or wake up one day and you know decided that education was the thing that I was going to do. Like I went back and forth about a lot of things, and I think holding to yourself your truths um, and holding to yourself what you do believe in, but also being okay with changing your mind um, is what really helped me overcome a lot of the stigma that was thrown at me because sometimes I wasn't sure and sometimes I wasn't able to give people a definite answer on what I wanted to do or how I was going to get through this situation. But ultimately, I persisted nonetheless. And that's kind of the, off the advice that I'd offer anybody if they're you know, looking to overcome through stigma is persist. Because even if you don't know for certain how you're going to get through this situation or what you're going to do to overcome this particular situation, at one point you are going to get through it and you're going to look back on it and you're going to feel better about getting through it rather than letting it spoil your day or spoil your week or make you feel horrible about yourself. I think that's an incredible advice and even more powerful coming from someone who has been there and done it and overcome it. And I have no doubt still overcoming it. Um, were you, in your small town that you grew up in, were you aware of other young people with care experiences? Yeah, it's somewhat. Um, I remember we had a lot of care days, but ultimately my experiences, and when I say care days, they were like uh, play dates pretty much mm. for people in foster care. Um, and, you know, we'd see faces there, but we had eight schools in my area and I moved foster homes, you know, every 12 months at least. So most of my experiences with meeting other foster homes, foster young people, sorry, were in foster homes. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, we kind of, 
our siblings you know I see yeah. a lot of these <laughs> that's the only way I can really put it I see a lot of these young people I grew up with in foster homes and it's like you're my brother or you're my sister um mm -hmm. and um it's a type of familiarity if anything that we had in this uh small town but in saying that there's certain brothers and sisters I have not seen since our care experiences as well um and they very often cross my mind so I'm personally quite aware of the amount of young people in foster care mm. um, that was around me there, there were solid amounts I had a home of 13 of us at one point yeah mm. exactly yeah. so when you think of that at like the largest scope you know some of it were just me and my sisters and that's four um mm. so you know there were definitely a lot of foster kids we were able to share stories there was a lot of fighting there was a lot of you know there was even a stigma within foster kids as well when I was growing up that was really hard to deal with as well so it, it became like a favoritism game as well in some houses so we definitely knew of other foster kids we were all going through our other stuff in um, this town we we weren't shy of each other and when I was in foster care we only had facts this was before all of the NGOs started popping up um, helping yeah. support cases of young people so we only had family community services and dcj and because of that you know you'd see countless amount of kids in the fax office as well and it was a constant reoccurring space and sometimes you'd run into kids at school and be like hang on i saw you at the fax office are you in care and you'd be like yeah didn't you know i was in care and it's like no but now i know you're in care and you just kind of mind blown a little bit by the populace um my young sisters now they actually the statistics are insane that come through my house they've got friends and i think there's only been one of them so far no two that live with their parents. The rest of them have either been adopted in foster care or are homeless. So um, yeah, it's it's actually astonishing. Yeah, I know you're shaking your head. That's wild. Yeah, my town, um, I don't know what the statistics are particularly uh, for young people in foster care in my town, but I'm very aware of a lot of young people um, coming through the system here. So it's uh, never been something that's been under the rug or not noticeable. I should mm. say, um, in my town. And that might say something for us, you know, other problematic behaviours that come out of this place. But ultimately, it did kind of give me a bit of a sense of belonging. Like, I was in foster care. I could go down to facts and I felt confident about it because I felt like a lot of young people would have been going in there, going off their heads. So I can come in there and go off my head. And it probably didn't make the caseworker's day any better. I know that for certain. But it helped me build confidence in advocacy and being able to have a bit of oomph behind my voice and um once I started working through my trauma and becoming more self-aware of what that aggression meant I was able to approach facts in a lot more <laughs> <laughs> yes but yeah but we've got to recognize young people have to do that work you know it, it, it's, yes. it's a traumatizing place <laughs> mm, mm, absolutely I have some wild memories at my local office oh yes yeah, <laughs> clinical they're like Dentists and fax buildings, you know, I put yes. them in the same <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so but, if, you uh, had, if yeah. you had one piece of advice to give another young person, what would it be? Mate, don't be too hard on yourself. That's pretty much it. I will be the first person to call myself a hypocrite and the first person to apologise for being wrong. Um, there is absolutely no shame 
in being able to ask questions um, to get ahead or to get an answer or to know what's going on around you. Because honestly, I'm happy to be treated like an idiot most days. And um, I feel like if you allow people to, you know, give you that slack and you give yourself that slack, then maybe you don't know everything. Maybe what you're saying isn't particularly your truth um, or you don't quite believe it. You can apologize for that. I do it often, probably not enough actually. <laughs> and that would probably be my advice. We become stronger with self-awareness and being able to um, talk to ourselves about things that we might not have agreed with anymore. Um, I think one of the biggest highlights for me, and I, I'm sure a lot of year 12 and maybe year 13 students would recognize this, but I really wanted to do my Bachelor of Law. Um, I wanted to be a barrister. I actually wanted to do it through the Defence Force Academy. I was hell bent on this from the age of nine years old. This was my dream. In all, yeah, it's in all of my case plans, Adina. Like, it was a big perception of me that everybody that knew me knew me as some sort of like lawyer or something. But what I really kind of figured out was that I didn't want to be a lawyer and I didn't want to get that law degree and I didn't want to go to the Defence Force Academy and when I came to that realisation come year 12 I felt like my whole life was crashing down around mm. me. I cried I had like a little existential crisis for a moment I was like oh my goodness the first person who asks me what I'm going to do with my life like what am I going to tell them and I had this planned out it was set to go and um, I remember the first person who asked me are oh, you going to uni next year and, and I've gone no <laughs> and they've gone oh, okay what are you gonna do then I'm like oh I actually don't know and they're like oh that's all right okay and they didn't even remember that I wanted to be a lawyer they didn't even care that I'd changed my whole life dream and all of my dynamics and that 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 was huge for me I didn't that's judge amazing yeah well, yeah I didn't judge myself for it anymore and um mm -hmm. I think that was a huge epiphany moment I was like oh I can perceive this however I want but ultimately um you know, I can disappoint myself. If I disappoint other people, I can apologize for it. But if I disappoint myself, I'm not going to be too hard on myself. I can change mm -hmm. my mind and I can change my opinion. And as long as um, I let people know that, hey, maybe I don't think like that. Let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about that. And that's okay. Yeah, that'd be my advice, Adina. Talking about plans and then changing them. What do you see happening for yourself in the next five years, say? Five years. I'll be 28 and my son will be 11. Mm. I hope by that time we've got a lot more traveling. We do a lot already, um, but I'd like to see a lot more overseas travel for my family and I. Um, I'd love to branch out my business and my network overseas as well um, because I'm a Māori woman. I would love to start advocating for my culture over in New Zealand um, and I feel like that would just be oh, the cherry on top for my five-year business plan and um, personal plan, being able to have relationships in New Zealand and really able to highlight um, cultural significance and lived experience significance and being able to feel a sense of belonging and feel like you have family, not just your immediate or not just the ones that, you know, might have not fit the best mum or dad category and instead five years time from now, I'm going to have stronger relationships with my family than what I've ever had and stronger relationships within my business. And that's all I can really hope for. Um, a lot of happiness and um, confidence from it as well. Adina, yeah. I think that's an incredible plan. Thank you for sharing it. <laughs>
that's okay <laughs> and Emily you've got loads and loads and loads to be proud of but can you share something that you are proud of oh, something I'm proud of um oh I'm gonna go with personal pride here because you know business business pride's one thing I've done some cool things I've been in some tv commercials and done some awards ceremonies and gold star but I think um one of the most the biggest personal um personal achievements for me has been uh my growth really well and truly um I used to be that bossy bitchy violent angry young woman growing up in school and um you know to get that out of me these days you have to kind of pull it a really long cord um I've got a lot more passion about me and really that's that's the thing I'm proud of how much I've developed um from being that young person with a lot of trauma and a lot of aggression to um a young woman now with a, a lot of drive and um a lot of passion and motivation coming from um, a lot of great support networks as well so I think that's um my biggest pride so far is how far I've come personally in this journey and um how far I'm willing to let myself go further into it as well I'm so excited for um more self-progression and um more care for myself and um a lot more adventures as well (laughs) (laughs) well I'm really really glad for the sake of all the other young people who are going to experience the impacts that you've been able to have on the system I'm sure they're all extraordinarily proud of you too yeah too kind (laughs) On a completely different tangent, I, and I've heard some pretty wild things from you so far. What is something on your bucket list? Oh, geez, my bucket list is huge. I feel like I actually need, I know, like, I feel like I need the bucket and I'll actually dip it in. No, something on my bucket list. Oh, I really, really, really want to swim with crocodiles in the Northern Territory. Oh, yep. Dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. It's, it's a huge, I, I love the whole idea of it. I love crocodiles. They're like dinosaurs. You know, they've seen some stuff and I like mm, that. They're, mm. tough. They're apex predators. So I would love to kind of come nose to nose um, with a crocodile. That would be awesome. Ooh, that is, oh. yes, I knew it was going to be something like that. <laughs> what about sharks? Could you swim with sharks? Uh, I probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't, yeah. No, I'm a massive scaredy cat. I think that'd be so much. We'll have to find something on our bucket list that matches Adina. Yes. We'll do it. <laughs> Good luck. Swimming with turtles. Oh, yes. Or visit the Galapagos tortoises. That mm-hmm. would be cool. Yeah, the Galapagos Islands. That would be so nice. It is always a treat talking to you, Adina. <laughs> and you too. Thank you very much for sharing your incredible experience, your wild journey and such an inspirational young woman. Thank you so much for being with me this evening. It's been my pleasure, Adina. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening in. With your help, we can snap the stigma children and young people in out-of-home care face in Australia. You can support us by following us on social media, sharing our advocacy messages, and sending this podcast to a friend or family member to listen to. Head to create.org.au for more information or head to the show notes below. See you next time.